three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. This is your humble host, Hunter, here. Hope you're all having a great uh, start to your week so far. I've got a review here for <laughs> for the latest Disney film, Corella, which is directed by Greg uh, Galepsi. If you don't know that name, you probably should. He's directed several things that you probably know, uh, including Itania, which... My God, do I love Itania. He also directed The Finest Hours, which, you know, eh. Uh, but he also directed Lars and the Real Girl, which I fucking adore that movie. And Million Dollar Arm, which I think is a incredibly underrated uh, Disney film as well, especially on the sports uh, spectrum. He is also going to be the uh, director for uh, Pan, uh, Pam and Tommy, the Sebastian Stan uh, Lily, uh, Lily Collins fil- uh, miniseries coming out, as well as the Iron Mike uh, miniseries as well. So he's directed some, he's directed some stuff, including uh, six episodes of United States of Terror, which if you have not seen that, I highly recommend you do. The writing team for this, for me, is fascinating because it's uh, Dana Fox and Tony McNamara. So you know Dana Fox as a producer and a writer she wrote one of my least favorite uh romantic comedies maybe ever so she wrote isn't it romantic which i thought actually had its moments i thought was cute at points uh, i didn't feel as tortured as i normally do during a rebel wilson film and she also directed uh she also wrote what happens in vegas which i fucking hate <laughs> what happens in vegas she was also a writer on uh she was also a producer on new girl which you know, go figure. But uh, she, um, and then we have uh, we have Tom uh, Tony McNamara, who I mentioned, who was a who wrote the favorite, which you know that kind of worked out well for him, and also wrote the great, which is on Hulu, which I haven't seen, but I've heard nothing but great things about, pun intended. But he also was a writer on Doctor Who from 2016 uh, through the current season, so. Uh, a very interesting just collection of talent here. And, of course, it stars Emma Stone, who, of course, you know from multiple things, uh, Easy A, um, uh, The Help, um, Why Am I Blinking, uh, Birdman, of course, uh, La La Land, which, you know, but overall, though, we have to talk about the fact that Disney has just been getting insane with their live action remakes it feels like they're just remaking every goddamn thing because fuck it they can unfortunately and while i have sat here on microphone and praised the works of the marvel films that they've done and on occasion uh praised the lucasfilm stuff that they do disney has just gotten to a point where they're such an empire that they can do what they're doing now they can remake their own stuff and Admittedly, the live-action remix have been a mixed bag for you know, every Lion King, which I know it's not a live-action remake, but remake nonetheless. But for every Lion King and Cinderella, which I think both of those were really well done, you do have you know your Dumbos and your Mulans, which I never reviewed Mulan, but eh. So heading into this, I was very 
going very much going, oh shit, all right, well, what the hell are we going to get here? And I have to admit, this film is much better than it has any right to be. I remember reading multiple, and I think it was really the popular consensus online, that this was going to be Disney's version of the Joker. And it's really not. It's more their version of Devil Wears Prada uh, with a with a more uh, with an intense uh, revenge aspect thrown in. Which I mean, you could obviously say for Devil Wears Prada, but as far as the revenge, I'll, I'll get to that. We start off with a young uh, Estella, who uh, I don't have the actress who played young uh, Estella, but she does a really good job and. She is going ahead and just, you know, hanging out for mom, being a kid. And I really do appreciate that the movie itself goes out of its way to really establish that that Estella could have stayed Estella if things hadn't gone the way that they did. Because the big question going into this is obviously, how are you going to create sympathy for the woman who we know wants to make a coat out of fucking puppies? And... I will say that while the leap, and it is a leap, I will be the first to admit, it is a leap for some of the things that they go ahead and present here, because even my partner and I a couple times looked at each other and went, really? This is where you're, all right, this is where we're going with this? Fair enough. The thing I will say about this film, though, that I was actually impressed with is that the movie really does lean in to all the insanity for, you know, good or bad. And, you know, if you want to say that that's an issue that you have with the film, fair enough. But for me to really justify this film's existence, it kind of needed to go a little crazy with it. And so they actually do a good job with that. But young Estella, she's going ahead. She's at a private school just because she's so, uh, a very, you know, very proper school. She is very much the, you know, the black sheep. She's the rebel, as it were. She already has the Corella hair when we meet her. I want to say she's like nine or ten, which I definitely giggled at. I went, oh, wow. Yeah, if you saw this hair back in the, you know, in the 50s or 60s. Oh, pardon me, you'd probably be incredibly pissed off too if you were a teacher, because teachers are fun. But the thing about this film, it presents Corella as a split personality. It really kind of makes that, I don't want to say canon, but for what they're setting up, that is kind of the, the, the axe they go ahead and grind and lean into. And some people have an issue with that because, you know, people have an issue with everything. But I... <laughs> I will say for me, that was something I went, okay, that's a very interesting notion because Corella, as a film does go ahead and develop, she sees herself as an artist. And so I found the notion of, you know, your your normal, you know, civilian persona versus how you make art and the headspace you get into to create art. I found that actually really interesting. And if there is a complaint i have i believe that i really do believe there's more material to mine there and i feel like they kind of just stopped short on that front so i would have i would have appreciated a little more digging into her psyche uh from that aspect independent of the revenge plot the thing about corella which is insane is that her and her mom go ahead and fall on hard times and so they go ahead and end up at this party this party has a woman there and this woman <laughs> and I'm going to try to stay away from spoilers, but I kind of need to spoil this 
in order to get where we're going. This woman six Dalmatians on Estella's mother, and so <laughs> and so these Dalmatians knock Estella's mother off this cliff, and I went, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like it it caught me so off guard. I went. Wow, this is where you're okay. This is where you're taking this. And so that, of course, is a huge thing that leaves uh, Corella to be, or Estella at the time, to be an orphan. And so she ends up going ahead and getting, uh, being able to travel to London, where she goes ahead and meets uh, a young uh, Jasper and Horace, who, of course, grow up to be, you know, the, the versions of the characters that we know and love, question mark. Uh, Jasper is played by Joel Fry, who I haven't really seen in anything, so I, I was a little... Uh, I, I feel like I've seen him in some... Oh, he was in Game of Thrones. Okay, why why didn't I recognize that? I don't watch Game of Thrones, or didn't watch Game of Thrones, so eh, but I've seen him in clips. But he... Uh, the actor, uh, Joel Fry, and... Paul Walter Hauser, who plays uh, Jasper or Horace, pardon me. He I've seen in quite a uh, quite a few things. You recognize him as Sean of My Tanya, uh, even Ho from Black Klansman, Simon in the Five Bloods, Richard Jewell and Richard Jewell. The thing about this movie that I really was impressed with is that their chemistry, even when they're kids, and I don't have the kid actors names here sorry kids but the uh, the young versions of themselves when Estelle just breaks down after she meets them because Horace and Jasper they're they're con kids they're going ahead and doing what they can to do to survive they're they're pickpockets they're actually the good version of Cassandra Kane and <laughs> and they're going ahead and living basically in this uh not, not a shack but in this spot that they're very much hidden from uh from view from uh from most people and Estella goes ahead and follows them and that's how their friendship in their con uh their uh <laughs> their conmanship as it were goes ahead and develops and what I really appreciate about that is that when before Estella evolves into into Corella their friendship is incredibly sweet even though they're doing terrible things and the three actors really have an incredible chemistry between three of them and it's really nice to see Emma Stone because and I think all you'll you'll all know what I mean Emma Stone's become so great she's you know an Oscar nominated Oscar-winning actress. She's really done it all at this point. She's been in, you know, she's been in something like Amazing Spider-Man, those films. She's been in the franchise. She's done the the art house stuff. She's done Easy A. She's done the teen comedies. Uh, Emma Stone's an incredible actress, and her range, because I believe we kind of all know how great she can be, it's almost like we overlook it and just don't appreciate it. And with a role that Glenn Close played to such perfection in the live action spectrum, with both 101 Dalmatian films, because people forget there's 102 Dalmatians, I really like the way that Emma Stone makes this character her own. And when that switch needs to flip and as she kind of starts to descend more into being Corella versus Estella I actually really appreciated it and I actually thought it was really well done the way they they did it so Horace and Jasper through one of their cons they're able to go ahead and 
get her to work at this uh, the store uh, called Liberty uh, in London. So she they get her an entry level position. And that was something that made me laugh really hard because you think, oh, she'll be an intern or something like that. No, she is cleaning toilets. She is taking out trash. She's doing all the work that, you know, is not glamorous whatsoever. And I really appreciate that they have her doing those sort of things. So she really is grinding and seeing, even though she's cleaning toilets and literal shit, she is seeing how things work there. And I, I don't have her boss's name here, but her boss is a fucking asshole to her and really treats her like shit. But she's not there for very long because she has this moment in the film where she gets drunk, uh, steals some of his whiskey and goes ahead and redoes this store window with this design and these clothes that she absolutely hates. That leads to her being discovered by the Baroness, who's played by the incredible, as always, Emma Thompson. You, of course, know her from, you know, uh, Late Night, uh, Beauty and the Beast, where she played Mrs. Potts, uh, Love Actually, Saving Mr. Blank, uh, Mr. Banks, uh, Sense and Sensibility, to name a few. And the thing that this movie really shows me as well is that Emma Thompson can pretty much sleepwalk through something. And I'm not saying she's sleepwalking here, dude, don't misunderstand, but her floor is pretty much a great performance. And here, her and Emma Stone have incredible chemistry. If you've seen the trailers, you can probably piece together how their lines, uh, how their lives intertwine. And I will say when they do present this quote twist about the relationship, it was something that I even put together from the trailers. It's something my partner called and she hadn't even seen any of the trailers. I wanna say we were maybe, uh, maybe 20 minutes in or so. And she went, huh, so if this happens and I'm thinking this is going to occur and, oh, this is how they're going to do this. And I went, you know what? OK, I actually really, really dug that. And the thing about their the rivalry is that there is this incredible, incredible tension as the film begins to get towards its climax and Estella becomes more and more Corella. That was something I really like how they ramped up the tension and how things felt dire as the film went on. Estella's transition into Corella was something I went, yeah, I actually buy this. And the thing is about this movie, and I can't believe I want to make this comparison, but stick with me here. There is a moment here with Estella that referring to the Dalmatians bit earlier on, it's almost like the scene in Crystal Skull with the lead fridge. If you just can't accept the fact that these Dalmatians are trained to kill, then what? <laughs> Sorry, just saying that out loud made me laugh. But if you can't accept the fact that these Dalmatians are trained to kill and how it fuels uh, Estella's turn and kind of where things end up, especially when it gets to some of the heist uh, aspects of the film, which I'll admit there there's one thing near the end that I just went, oh, okay, that's a little silly. But if you can get past the insanity of these dogs and it being basically a bat a Batman origin, if you can get past that, I really do believe there's a lot in this film that you're gonna that you're gonna enjoy. And it was something that I was actually really uh pleasantly surprised by as far as uh, as far as how it was portrayed. Um, what was I going to say? Um, John McCree, McCree 
is in here. He is an actor who I haven't really seen in anything. So I was I was like, oh, okay. And so he plays uh, this guy, Artie. And Artie runs this shop in London's very posh shop where, you know, he's got designer dresses and vintage things. And, and they don't come out and say that Artie... Artie's very much... I mean, I it would not be going out on a limb to say that Artie is gay. Uh, that's how he's very much played up. He has this very flamboyant attitude for him. He's dressing uh, Estella basically with all these looks as she goes ahead and transforms into Corella. He has a very glam rock look to him, which I fucking love, by the way. And I really appreciate the representation because Artie ends up being vital, uh, in, especially in the third act. And I went, okay, I really appreciate that. And the way that Artie becomes a part of, you know, the crew, as it were, I really thought was very well done. And this is an actor I'd love to see in more things. I was really happy that he's on my radar now. And the other big thing, the big thing I have to shout out because I am this, I am this nerd and I just appreciate clothes. Uh, Jenny uh, Beaven, she, uh, she was the costume designer on a couple things I really enjoy, uh, including Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, Christopher Robin, uh, Nutcracker in the Four Realms. I wasn't crazy about. <laughs> I wasn't crazy about, but the costume designs were, were amazing on that. And even the costume designing for Doolittle, while that movie again sucks, she did a great job the costume design. And if I were a fashion designer or an interior decorator or just anything involving you know fashion, I would watch this movie because some of the looks in here, especially on Corella's Inn, are so incredibly well done and are just fucking beautiful and <coughs> seeing Corella go ahead and just doing these incredible sketches and everything uh and drawings for what she is planning on it was really cool to see that and see how her vision and her mind translates from paper to actually being made and i don't know if i was you know if i was looking to get in the fashion world or anything this is a movie that i think you could watch and get some ideas from i i was really quite impressed with how all the costuming was done and there is one scene that Corella has uh, that M. Stone's Corella has that really made me go god damn I really love the scene when Estella initially arrives to London as a kid she goes to this fountain and basically cries and is talking to you know talking to her mom and I really like how there's this very sad broken little girl in the moment after losing her mother to when Corella goes back there and is basically the most fully realized version of herself. I love how she made this, uh, she makes this comment about how basically uh, Corella was in a box for a long time. Estella can be the one to make guest appearances. And I absolutely love that line because it truly shows how far gone she's getting. And I, I, I just really enjoyed how that was uh, how that was handled. Some of the action stuff, because uh, the, there are a couple heists that are done in the film, and it's very uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven in that sense of how they kind of lay everything out and relay it to you, the audience. I really enjoyed it, and I believe it's uh, uh, Jasper and Horace have this one dog. Uh, Horace loves this dog, and I can't think of the dog's name, but this dog, the way they use him in heist is really fucking adorable, and it really warmed my heart, but there's a lot to like here. As far as my complaints, it's just, 
really my biggest complaint is it's another Disney origin film that we do not fucking need. There's really no reason for this to exist. I mean, did we need a Cruella origin? Not really. But between just the fact that we don't need this, this is over two hours. It's like an hour, I think it's 100, 132 minutes, I want to say. And it could have been shorter. It could have been a lean two hours. Honestly, I think you can cut some of the things out and get this down to an hour, like hour 50, personally. Outside of that, there was nothing for me outside of some of the campiness that I just went, oh God, this fucking sucks. Or, oh, this is... This is pissing me off. I was never mad watching this. I was just more annoyed at some of the at some of the decisions. And the other thing I have to be completely completely fair here. I don't know if this is something that's gonna connect with kids. It's an hour. It's 134 minutes, by the way. But I don't know if this is something that's gonna connect with kids because there's just not a lot here for kids. The uh, the Dalmatians are barely in this. I mean, there's you know there's references to them. You see them every so often. But the the Dalmatians were such a vital force, you know. In of course, 101 Dalmatians, the animated film, and it felt like the dogs had their own personality. The dogs aren't you know talking here, so it, they just feel like normal Dalmatians outside of what we know about Cruella. So I I for kids, I really don't know if I can. I wouldn't recommend this for kids, at least for you know eight-year-old kids maybe for 13 year old kids this would be something i'd go hey let's put this on because again while this plot isn't you know gonna break you know gonna break any records or gonna you know change the game it is well executed i think for the most part but at the end of the day again it is just kind of unnecessary but as i get to my final thoughts here and wrap up emma stone does a hell of a job here and they do have, and I'm just not going to mention uh, her friend's name just because it's kind of a spoiler. They do have a portrayal of a character that you'll probably know, uh, two characters that you'll probably know, and you'll hear the names and go, oh, that's a that's a coincidence. And it's not a coincidence. And there is a mid credit scene at the end of this that I went, I really enjoyed that. And I thought that was actually pretty damn clever. It does set up for a sequel. I believe we could still continue to get towards the Corella that we know and love with Emma Stone. And honestly, wait five years if you want. Like, take take some time. Don't rush back into the role. Emma Stone apparently was pregnant for part of filming, which I just didn't notice at all. So, I mean, kudos to them. But this is something I tell people to go watch. Uh, this isn't, you know, in the same range of something like Nobody or A Quiet Place Part 2 for me. But it's definitely something I enjoyed. And while I didn't, and I'll be the first to admit, I didn't see this in a theater. I saw this at home because I got a screener for it. If I paid to see this at a matinee, I wouldn't be mad. I'd go, you know what? Okay, that that was pretty much worth the money. So I'm going to give this a solid B. It's by far better than I thought it was going to be. I really thought it was going to be more akin to Dumbo. And luckily, I was wrong. So I'm really happy this was as good as it is. I would say take your kids if they're a little older, like I said, 13, 14. I think that kids could uh, have something that make them go, okay, I actually enjoyed this, but I would not be showing this to you know, eight-year-old kids, if you, or, you know, anything also younger than 12, I would not be showing this to my kids if I had them. Show them the original, show them the 101 Dalmatians, show them the cartoon, but yeah, you don't need to show them this, but everyone, Corella, have you seen it? What did you think of it? 
you can go ahead and let us know in the comments. You can like both our pages on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. That's our, uh, sorry, that's The R-E-E-L Pineapple. And you can go ahead and like our game page at Real Pineapple Games. I'm going to be hopping on Twitch here soon. So like both pages, make sure you're up to date so you'll know when I'm about to go live. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. SoundCloud, Apple and Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher and iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Tune Up, to name a few, at The Real Pineapple. And don't forget to find yours truly and follow me on the Twitter at JHunterRealPineapple and Nearman the First for my colleague Scott. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll have reviews up this month since uh, we're heading into June. And June is my birthday, June 1st. Whoop, whoop. So uh, we're going to have reviews for just uh, films that I really have wanted to review, as well as we're going to do a couple reviews for Pride uh, since June is Pride Month as well. So I'm going to have a review for Boys Don't Cry, which I think is one of the best movies I I may have ever seen. And it's something I just haven't reviewed. So I'm definitely going to make a point to review that. Uh, as well as some other stuff, as well as uh, most of the Fast and Furious films leading up to Furious 7 before we get to Fast 9. I have some reviews for that, as well as I will have the first uh, episode review for Loki for the premiere when that comes out on June 9th. I'm really excited to uh, review that and we'll have a full series review when the show is done. But everyone, thank you so much for listening. Take care of each other. Wear a mask. Go get your COVID shot. And we'll talk to you soon.